This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Let your touch be felt. Let your name be glorified. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Somebody give God praise. I'm acknowledging you for who you are. Can you hear me welcome people around you, left, right, center, front, and back? Let them know you are so happy to see them. Hallelujah. I'm acknowledging you for who you are, for what you've done in my life. I'm acknowledging you for who you are, dance I'm acknowledging you for who you are, for what you are in my life. I'm acknowledging you for who you are. In my life, you are the miracle worker, you are. Of kings, you are the way maker. In my life, you are the prince of peace. Dance, dance, I'm acknowledging you for who you are and for what. blessing there are dimensions when it comes to causes also there are dimensions the power of a blessing or a cause depends on the power behind the person who pronounces it I want to read something this morning as we go on from what we started last week blessings and causes you remember right hallelujah and the Bible says I said before you blessings and causes so there are two journeys that you take one of the two in life. If you are a blessed man, you are never cursed. If you are a cursed man, you are not blessed. Hallelujah. 
And the way to live above the costs of this world is to live in the blessing. Because the act itself is already cost. Hallelujah. So God created the first man and the first thing God did, Genesis 1, Bible says, and God blessed man. Before God said anything to man at all, he blessed man. Then he called Abraham, and the first thing was to bless Abraham. But before then, he called Noah, and the first thing was to bless Noah. God is fully persuaded that a man can function optimally without the blessing. So let's read Numbers 22, a very wonderful story here. Hallelujah. There is an anointing here. Yes, and the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on the side, on this side of Jordan by Jericho. Verse 2. Then Balak the son of Zippor saw all the all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was so afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. Verse 4. And Moab said to the elders of Media, Now shall these people lick up all that is around us about us, <laughs> as the us licked up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippo, the king of Amorite, that time, was the king. Verse 5. He sent messengers therefore to Balaam, the son of Boah, to Peto, which is by the river of the land of the children of, of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth. They abide over against me. Verse 6. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, cause me these people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail that they may be smitten, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I know that whom thou bless is blessed, and whom thou cause is cursed. Who was Balaam? Are you ready this morning? Have your seats. Thank you, Preston. And thank you, choir. God bless you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. An interesting passage. But I wanted to observe certain things. If you are just coming this Sunday, you were not around last Sunday, you need to get the message of last Sunday. Watch it on YouTube. It's free of charge, please. So that you can understand where we are coming from. I've said a lot that uh, as a foundation last week. So Balak saw as the Israelites were journeying towards the promised land, they were going to pass through this guy's land and from afar he saw them and he was distressed. He saw their capability, their capacity. He saw their strength. He saw their number. And he became intimidated. Then he said something. An idea came to his head. There is a guy called Balaam. If I can get him. And he can cause these people. Somehow, Balak had the revelation. That no matter how mighty and strong a people is. No matter how strong and mighty people can be, no matter how strong a man is, when he is under a curse, he underperforms. So he said that if you curse them, I don't care their strength, I will drive them out. If I fight them as blessed people, they will sure defeat me. But if you place a curse on them, in other words, a curse by nature reduces the productivity of a man. It makes what a man should overcome normally to overcome a man. It diminishes a man's strength and reduces what should come from a person's life. This guy must have been very familiar with curses. <laughs> he just understood that this is the way. In other words, when battles have been fought in life, the blessed one will prevail. The cursed one will go down. Now I said Balaam. Who was Balaam? Well, the Bible did not exactly say too much about Balaam as per the scope of his spiritual authority. But this guy must mean so much that 
God refused to allow him to pronounce those words. But on the contrary, God made him to bless the people. If Balaam was an ordinary fellow, his words wouldn't have counted much against over 3 million people. Then even if you go by what the king said, the king knew about his reputation. He said, I was told that when you curse a person, the person is cursed for life. And later, around verse 11 and 12, let's read 11 and 12. I want to show you something from there. Are you following me this morning? So the first thing to take from this, I wanted before to list, and I think I said a few, signs of a life that is under a curse and signs of a life that is under the blessing. But I want to show us in Christ the inheritance that we have. But we are starting this way that we might understand the meaning of these things. Now, I told you last week, curses come from different places. I said so, and I told you it does not aspire with dates. You remember? And we read stories to show, like we read the story of Jericho. 500 years after somebody built Jericho with his firstborn and set up the gate with the lastborn, according to the curse pronounced by Joshua in Joshua chapter 6. So I said there is no expiry date. So if there is at work in a life a curse, it does not mean it to go away with time. It does not go away by itself. It has to be stopped. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, what I want to say again this morning is both blessings and curses are transgenerational by nature or in nature. That means they move from one generation to another generation. And I'm going to read a pathetic story. I've already told this church before about once or twice uh, to show you about this. Now, remember what I started with. The strength of the blessing or the strength of the cause depends on the power behind whoever is pronouncing it. Are you with me? I am saying it this way because second service I'm going to get into something very serious. But I want to end this service by also asking you to say something so I will say something over everybody. Behold, the people is come out of Egypt. Now, this is Balaam now talking to God. So Balaam sent elders to his house. And the Bible said they went to some way to reward of divination. <laughs> was this guy a prophet of God or what? But the end of Balaam was that in Joshua 13, 22, was behind the children of Israel killed him. When they invaded the land eventually, they went for Balaam himself and they killed him and his prophetic anointing couldn't save him. I will talk about the significance of him being beheaded. That talks about the removal of your spiritual authority. But that's not for today. Now, all the people, so Balaam started, so when the elders came to his house, they sat down. They said, Balak has told us, come and hire you. He has a problem and he needs your help. Then the Bible said, he told them, okay, stay here. Let's start from verse 9. Then he went to his room in the night and he began to pray. This guy had direct access to heaven. And God came to Balaam and said, who are these men? So he put them in the guest room and he went to the other room. And the Bible said, God came down and said, sorry, Balaam, who are those guys outside your sitting room? And then he said, Balaam said to God, Balaam, the son of Zippo, king of Moab, has sent them to me, saying, verse 11, there is a people come out, he said, come and curse them for me. Verse 12, then God told him the answer. And God said to Balaam, thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people. Why? Somebody say it louder. What makes a curse? Wherever it's coming from, not to be able to stick on anybody is if you are blessed. Hallelujah. So God started warning Balaam that, look, I gave you the power, yes, or wherever I got the power from. But this is God talking to Balaam. He said, you cannot do it. Why? The people they are sending you to are blessed. I. You know, you won't you won't get upset with me if I don't finish a message. Because sometimes while speaking, I feel an unction to speak. Just after we finished on Sunday, Sister Steve told me on Monday, you know, our Sister Steve brought a prophet to the house who began to say, and I've warned you, pronouncements are dangerous. If so-called a prophet meets you and he tells you there is trouble ahead, if you don't reject that word, God did not plan trouble for you. He has spoken it over you as you accept it, there will be a problem ahead. 
This is the technology that many people don't know. And they are falling prey, letting people come. God will hardly send anybody to you who has no spiritual authority over you. And you know what? If I tell you are blessed in this church and a prophet meets you and he tells you that your future is bleak, you will only allow that to happen if you believe him. Are you with me? How can you belong to a group and they tell you are blessed in that group and one random person walks up to you and he tells you, he shakes a little, ah, what I see. To hell with what you are saying. And this thing, they scare a lot of believers. A sister told me, somebody walk on the road, just walk into the shop, our shop, and told her things. Yes, the guy was, he accurately said something. I said, and so what? Satan can be accurate. And from that time, control started. It was stopped by the shop, say some things, collect money, say something. And she just continued and continued and continued and continued and continued. One day, I had to open up. And I looked at her, I shook my head for her. When you neglect the word of God, you deserve to be cheated. Because you are going to be living in fear. I said, he told you what you have never told anybody. And so what? Hallelujah. Are you, are you, are you following me? Praise the Lord. There is no prophecy superior to the word of God. If I know that the Bible says I shall not die, you tell me you are... You can't be strong because before you were born, the word of God has been. So you cannot bring a stronger revelation than the word of God. So when God wants to warn you, he sends people you already know. People whose ministry you have verified. It can be you are listening to a message you love to listen to. You will hear a warning from that message. Be careful. Look, if you open your spirit to anything, Satan will send people into your life. And the words they speak to you will start becoming the realities of your life. Not because that is God's plan, but you are the one accepting it. Parents out of concern at times. Daughter is married for six years, no child. Then they, you know, then they go and meet one prayer contractor. Ah, my daughter. And that one comes to the house. Ah, daughter, oh, sorry, oh. Let's pray. There are some forces, there are things we need to do, and believers submit themselves. Why do you think we have churches? God believes in families. In every family, he has set the authority that you need. Never go by the voice of a stranger. It is dangerous. Is somebody hearing me? Are you hearing me? So God told Balaam, of course, eventually, he told them, he said, I'm not going with you. So they went back to tell the king that oh, it's not coming. He said, God said, it should not come. And the king added more money. See, money can tempt. And sent more people. And this time around, Balaam went to pray again. He said, God, let me tell you this from just, not part of this message, but let me just tell you this. If you keep troubling God about what he has given you an answer about, you will hear something else. There is, this is my plan for you, take. There is, take. And go and kill yourself. The Bible said they demanded for bread. He gave them for flesh. He gave them and sent leanness to their soul. So you can receive something from God. But it comes with destruction. Are you getting what I'm saying? A woman can persuade God, convince him to let you marry that guy. As you go around, you will meet a prophet who will tell you that that's your husband. Because that's what you want to hear. But after that, get ready for what follows. When God gives an instruction, stay with it. If God tells a pastor, don't go to that place. Don't pray about it again. As you continue to bother God, one day you hear from your spirit that go. And when you go, there will be a problem. Balaam began to pray again and God, God spoke. God said, you can go. You can go. And as he was going, he saw an angel on the way with a sword. An angel was going to kill him. The Bible says God was angry that he went. And then the angel, finally saw the angel told her, you know what, still don't say anything except what we tell you to say. But if you check very well, in the third uh, sorcery, the third, incan- uh, uh, third divination, when he wanted to do the divination the third time, he did not go to God again. The rewards were so attractive that the first time God said, this is what you should say, so he blessed them. Second time, Bible said the third time he refused to go to God. He wanted to prophesy from his own bowel, and God still turned into a blessing. That was why they had to behead him at the end of his life. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you with me? Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. Won't God, so, God said you cannot curse them because they are blessed. And Balaam was like, wow. So let me show you this story. And just to continue on, the fact that a curse is, can be transgenerational. So in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Eli, Ophni and Phinehas began to misbehave and God got angry. One day, we go deep into itemizing things that can, remember I told you, it, it can come from God, it can come from man, it can come from both. There are things that you practice and they can actually bring a curse into a person's life. In fact, if you read Malachi 2.2, a blessing can be turned into a curse or a blessing can be caused. God warned in Malachi 2 to say, I will curse your blessing. So even when a person is blessed, there are certain things you must not do. But that's not for today. He said, if you're not here, if you're not late to have to give glory to my name, see the Lord, I will even send a curse upon you, I will curse your blessings. So a person can receive blessings and later it can become a problem. So now God started talking to Isaac, a prophet. Let me give you the name of the man in particular. He said, 4 Samuel, 4 Samuel chapter 2, and the guy came to Eli's house. And he said, Eli, your songs. He said, your songs, Ophni and Phinehas, they are thieves. They are not only thieves, they are rapists. Combination of... <laughs> he said, they rape women in the church. And they steal. They forcefully collect offering from people. Ah. And the guy was like, wow. So the prophet came and he said... You know about what the atrocities of this your children, you do nothing about it. He says, so destruction is coming. First Samuel 2, I think let's start from verse 20, where the guy started saying some of the things that will happen. Now, this was a curse against the house of Eli, who was chosen by God to be the Levite, the high priest. First uh, Samuel 2, 20, or thereabout, let's start from there. Okay, yeah, there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus said the Lord, Did I plainly appear to the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Verse 28. I chose him out of the tribe of Israel to be my priest. Verse 29. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my habitation and honorest thy sons above me. We can say a lot about that. It grips God. Once you put anything above God, there are people listening to me. Some opinions on TV are more rated by you than the Word of God. And the internet is doing that to a lot of people now. Your judgment is always based on what you hear on the internet, not what the Word of God says. You won't last as a Christian if you do that. If you read the opinions of men, Interpretation of men over matters more than what the word of God says. Then you cannot exercise faith in the same word. Yet the word of God is the word of life. Generations to generations will come. The word of God will remain forever. Hallelujah. There is what the word is saying about marriage now. There is what the word is saying about everything, the whole world. But there is what the word of God says. He said, Why are you kicking? Say you honor yourself above me to make yourself fat with chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Verse 30. Wherefore the Lord God said, Indeed, I thought the house of your father, I will leave them off for said, But now be ye far from me. For I will honor those who honor me, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Verse 30 or 31. The days come. This is serious. I will cut off thy arm and the arm of your father's house. There shall not be an old man in your house. I see God is merciful. <laughs> thou shalt see. Go to verse 32. I'll come back to that. Thou shalt see an enemy in your habitation. In all the wealth with God that shall give Israel. There shall not be an old man in your house forever. This is serious. A man of thine, whom I shall not cut off from my altar, shall be to consume thy eyes. And to grieve, to, to, to consume, to, to grieve thy heart, all the increase of thy house shall die in the flower of their age. Verse 34. It shall be a sign unto you that shall come upon you, thy two sons, Ophni and Phinehas, shall die in one day, both of them. 
Next verse. I will raise a faithful priest. Now, in chapter 3, God is so merciful. This The Bible didn't tell the name of the man of God that brought this warning. Shortly after that, the first time Samuel heard God in chapter 3 was also a warning for Eli. Now, Eli told Samuel that, I know you've heard. So when he woke up in the morning, Samuel was afraid to talk. God just told him terrible things about grandpa, so he kept quiet. Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, come. You told me when he was called. I was one that said, say that, speak, Lord. So I know you have said something to you. And he said, cause be down if you don't tell me everything. And Samuel told him. And Eli ended by saying, give me that chapter 3. What he said to Samuel was terrible. Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do whatever he feels. Hiya. Ezekiah did that in the Bible. When he, added, when he asked God for 15 more years, Isaiah 37, 38, and when he asked God for 15 more years, and God gave him. Then the prophet came. Some visitors came to his palace. And he was taking them on a tour. Showing them all the gold and the silver. And in the night, Isaiah came and said, Oga, who were those men that came in the day? He said they came from a very far country. He said, what and what did you show them? He said, I showed them everything. Ah, Isaiah said, you are a fool. He said, the days are coming. Everything they've seen in your kingdom, they will take it. They will turn your said they will castrate your sons, turn them to Enoch, and rape your women, open their womb. Ezekiah, the same Ezekiah that when they brought a war to him that he shall die, he knelt down and prayed. God has never rejected a prayer for mercy. Ezekiah was told a few years before then that he shall die. He began to pray for mercy and God turned the verdicts. Now, another message, instead of him to say, I'm sorry, Ezekiah said, Well, you said it will not happen in my time. It will happen in my children's time. No problem. That was why he sentenced, I believe, personally. Of course, nothing outside the mercy of God, but that's my entire. That must have been one of the reasons why God decided to forgive that his son. It was the father that opened the gate of hell over the boy. The father said that, Lord, do it, don't worry, as long as it doesn't happen in my time. So the son became king. Manasseh, the most terrible king in Israel. He was one that killed prophet Isaiah, the prophet of his father. He put Isaiah between two plywood and sawed him into two. That was, Manasseh did that. Other kings were going to worship idol. Manasseh brought idol into the temple. And in order Manasseh did, Manasseh was captured. And then the king that captured him looked at him one day and forgave him, gave him his scepter, his throne, his, his, his crown, and asked him to go back to his country. He was the only king in the Bible that was captured, probably the only one I know of. That my brother that was captured and that was returned back and his kingdom given back to him. The Bible says when they captured him, he sat down and he looked up and God decided to have mercy on him. God must have seen that he's beyond this guy. The father opened the door on his head. Manasseh was such a terrible king. But God forgave him. He returned back and he became king again. But Ezekiah could have said, have you ever read also, do you know that Adam never said he was sorry? Have you eaten the fruit the woman gave me? And do you know there are people like that today? Even to the, to the, they don't care. They will rather see their marriage break than to apologize. Sorry is so expensive that they can afford a broken marriage than to say sorry. I don't know why people are like that. Are you watching me and you are like that? You are listening to me. You hate to say sorry. Even inside your heart, when you know you are wrong, you continue to argue and argue your way out. It leads to destruction at the end. There's no glory in that. Nobody's, nobody's right at all times. You should like to say sorry when you need to say one. Somebody will not apologize to somebody and the marriage is breaking and the two of them are standing. No, no. It should beg me first. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. When Samuel, and Samuel told everything, and he said, now look at verse 18. And Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do whatever seemed good to him. Ha. Huh. Hey, 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 hey. No matter how angry God is, when a man begins to pray for mercy, he will always have mercy. And speaking to somebody watching me, no matter what you have done, if you lay hold of the cross of Jesus, 
if you come to the throne of grace, mercy will be given to you. God has never turned down any mercy requests. Jesus was passing and somebody was too blind and was shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. That word attracts God. Why? Because he is merciful. Hallelujah. That is the side of him that I can't turn him. Once a person begins to appeal to the Father, Lord, but you are, I accept I'm guilty, but you are merciful. If we read Psalm 51, David presented his case very well when he killed Uriah and took his wife. Then he began to say that I was shaping iniquity. He said, Have mercy, O Lord, according to the abundance of your. Ah, God looked at him and said, Let's help this guy out. But this is one request he does not turn down. You know what is occurring to me right now? Somebody has had abortions or all kinds of things before getting married. Now it looks like he's catching up with you, can't have a child. No, no, no. When the law of mercy is brought in, you will have as many children as you desire to. Why? Jesus Christ has helped us not to end what we deserve. All the judgments were placed on him. Hallelujah. So he is free to do anything. The Bible says he made him sin. Who knew no sin? That was unfair. So you can never accuse God of being unfair again if he pardons anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? I want to stop here. Oh Lord. Anyway, if you read 1 Samuel 22, so there was a king. I will just say the story quickly because I have to hang there. And from that day, shortly after that, Ophni and Phinehas died one day truly. They died one day. And from that time, nobody could grow old in Eli's lineage again. Nobody. The one that was innocent that genuinely served God, I think that is the fourth thing I should have said, but that's for another day. That when a cause is at work, it does not recognize whether you are a good person or a bad person. You can't undo it with good works. It has to be, you can only undo it with spiritual authority. Now, often and Phenal died because they were stealing, but a cause had been pronounced. There was a priest in 1 Samuel 22. Their grandchildren or grandchild or maybe their child was now the high priest like Eli. How many of you remember the story of David and Goliath? And then you know the aftermath effect of the story. Saul started looking for how to kill David. And David ran. So there was a fallout between Saul and David. David ran away. And as he was running away from town, he stopped by the tabernacle. When they, this is a very, very vivid picture of how causes work. See, there are spirits behind those pronunciations. They will stand to ensure that it comes to pass. And those spirits don't die and they don't get tired. It's like the blessing. But I'm starting from Old Testament to join it so that you know what you have in Christ. Is somebody hearing me? Yes, Hallelujah. This guy was a good man. So Saul used to send David to go and inquire from the Lord, to go and pray in the temple. And this guy would tell, tell the king, I'll tell his excellency, tell him this. And David came as usual one day. And he asked the man, I saw Do you have a sword here? Yeah? That when the king sent me on an assignment, I, I forgot to carry sword. And the guy said, not be you, King Goliath. The son of Goliath is here and he gave him. David did not tell the guy that there was already a fallout between himself and king. If I lied that it was the king that sent him. The guy gave him the sword, gave him food and went away. Now, the cause worked effectively to be sure that as that transaction was going on between David and that guy, there was a guy in the temple called Deog. Deog was not an Israelite, he was an Edomite. Deog was lying at the back of the church and he was watching. It didn't make sense out of what was happening. He just came by himself, by his soul to just pray. And it ended. Few days after that, Saul sat down. You know, now David had escaped to another town. And Saul was angry. And he was tossing his soul like this. And we were looking at all his servants. He said, Is it that David is promising all of you something? That nobody can fetch him out for me? A 70 year old boy is missing and none of you can find him? What? And he started talking. And Dilk was there that day again. And they said, excuse me, sir. I saw David in the temple and the priest inquire of the Lord for him. Chai. Everybody say, curse. So the king said, get me the priest. Now he got the priest and 85 younger priests, all of them together. And Saul said, no. So you two conspire with David. Sir, the guy was hearing for the first time that there was an issue between the two of them. He protested, said, dear king, uh uh-uh. You were sending David to me every now and then. Nobody told me that. In fact, David told me that you were the one that sent him. He said, sir, I am innocent. 
I did not know anything between you and David. You sent him the last time. He said he was, you were the one that sent him this time. The king knew he was saying the truth. But there was a spirit on Saul to effect the words they were giving. Saul said to his servant, he said, kill him. The servant said for the first time, it was death penalty to disobey the king then. But the servant said, no way. They all knew that the guy was innocent. They said, no. Then Saul said, Diog, kill him. You were the one that saw them. Now, Diog was not an Israelite, so he was not afraid. Strangers are terrible. So the Bible gave a warning. I am not um, in any, but I just want to say this. Any land where you allow strangers to be more than the owners of the land, you are looking for trouble. Let's just put it that way. Amen. Yes. You're on the streets and certain people are arriving, 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 and they are taking over the whole of your streets. That's not very good. That's not very good. Pharaoh started attacking Israel when Israel they were multiplying. Every God has given every tribe, every nation, everybody your land. People can come and visit, come and do business, but when they occupy land, they begin to get more than the people in the land. That is trouble. It shouldn't be. But I stop here. I'm sure you you can check what is issue all over the world, all over, all over, all over. And then it's going to lead to takeover, complete takeover, and the owners of land are nowhere to be found. It is true. It's not peculiar to any tribe or anywhere. It's all over the world, it should not be done. Foreigners must not be more than the owners of the land. It should not be. It shouldn't be. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Hey. How many people are hearing me? So, Diog brought out his sword and killed all those people. Then they did not stop there. When they killed all of them, as they were spilling their blood, then the king ordered to go to the city of the priests and kill both anybody who said they kill all of them. Only one of them escaped, the youngest, a young boy. Maybe he was in the field and he saw them kill his and he turned back and he ran. And when he got to David, he started crying. They killed everybody. David said that I was responsible. David said, ah, he said something. Aish. This story is deep. David said to Abita, I knew that day when Diog the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. Now look at it. So this is terrible. As David was collecting the sword, even David could tell that this guy would soon die. Because when they gave him the sword, David just turned back and he saw Diog there. Ah, he said, This guy will tell the guy. Why didn't he tell the priest for the priest to escape? No, the cause must catch up with him. So David confessed, he told the boy, He said, I knew that day that your father would die. He said, But it's my fault. He said, Now you stay with me. No death will touch you here. Now you see this young man of today. I don't have enough time. That's why I'm saying this. So this young man that you are reading of was the same person that served David for 13 years in the wilderness, suffered with David, suffered everything David suffered. What was his own end also? This is how powerful cause can be. Like his father, he was also a good man. But how did he end? This was the guy, after serving David faithfully, Adonijah went to crown himself as king and sat down on the throne of Called all the family together, but did not call Solomon. He called Joab, even the commander-in-chief, chief, and they joined Absalom, eh, Adonijah. And, they, and then Nathan came to tell David. And David said, really? And Nathan told David and Solomon, if you don't make Solomon king, now Adonijah will kill everybody. So David called Solomon, said, sit on my throne. I don't care what Adonijah said. Eh, 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 let Adonijah went to Abuja to say, this is Lagos. Sit on my throne, blow the trumpet, say David is now the king. And that was what happened. Adonijah's guess had that a new king had been, so they started leaving. And the time, but this is the mistake. As Adonijah was recruiting people, he got the chief of staff, he got chief of army staff. This priest, this young boy, also followed Adonijah. He actually assumed that the thing came from David. Now, they, David turned the whole thing and made Solomon king. So another priest had to arise. Solomon called him and said, Come here. Solomon said, Honestly speaking, I will kill you right now for joining my brother against me. He said, But I remember you suffered with my father. I will not kill you. Get out of office, you are fired. That was exactly what God said to Eli. That the one that will not die among them will be put out of office. Innocent man. 
I know people are watching me. Do you see this kind of panoramic, this kind of thing playing in some lives? How events will lead to events lead to their destruction. At times, some people, there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with the marriage, but the marriage cannot stand. What is militating against the unity of the home is more than what you can counsel. You can't counsel demons away. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Once you see a negative pattern repeating itself, repeating itself like that, and if you continue to read down to Zechariah, a prophet, a priest that was also a prophet, he was killed between the porch and the altar. He was killed. Still the same thing going down and going down until another priest arose one day. Not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. But that's not for today. Is somebody hearing me? I am just showing you the effect of these things that when it is working, it's not what you can calculate. But who would have thought that it would play? That guy must have seen when his father missed it. How did he miss it also? It, the story came in another way. And it still led to him also being pulled out of office. Causes. Hallelujah. This shouldn't happen to a believer. But if somebody is born again and these things are still happening to them, what do they do? Somehow, they get to touch something they never marry. Now, I, I started by one at the beginning. Don't read courses into everything. There can be challenges at times. But when it is a predictable pattern over a long time, then that might not be a challenge anymore. To say to every graduate that all of you will get a job within two years will be to tell them a lie. Some might stay at home, but it doesn't make mean anything is wrong with them. To say that every man that will marry will give birth within two, three years, some might give birth after six years, and it does not mean anything is wrong. So, African people to deliver and they model it up. And this one just said, This is dim. I'm saying that not necessarily so. But when a pattern persists and it is becoming a predictable pattern and it is well known by you, then there is a problem. Are you with me? Let's keep and we pray. Deuteronomy 34. I will do more of this second service. You came from heaven to earth to show us the way from the heart to the cross. I dare to from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 33, sorry. 33. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God. That's what I want to bring you up. The man of God bless the children of Israel. Where there is a man of God, anything is reversible. And he can bless. Who is a man of God? He's a man with the word of God in his mouth. Hallelujah. You know, while praying, I just started sensing in my spirit that bless the congregation. And remember, when I started this message, I told you, Moses did not have time to start telling Reuben. Reuben, the father calls you. I reverse every course. Moses just blessed Reuben and the courses disappeared. Because the blessing of the Lord makes rich. He had no sorrow. He had no Thank you, Lord Jesus. When God blesses, it removes causes. When you are in an assembly like this and the Spirit of God is moving, just like Moses, Moses to climb the mountain and he began to bless them because he was instructed by the Lord to do so. I have received a commandment to bless. And I'm speaking to life this morning. I see a river of God's mercy flowing into many lives and washing away anything that is not of God. It does not matter what has attempted to limit you, to pollute your way, 
to hinder you. I speak blessings into your life. Be fruitful. The same way God said to Abraham, you are Abraham's seed through Jesus Christ. And I say to everybody here, in all good things of life, you are fruitful. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Expansion. Fruitfulness. In the name of Jesus Christ. The face of God is shining on you. The light of God is shining on your path. You are disconnected from any error. Any mistake of the past. In the name of Jesus Christ. It carries you on eagle's wings. Oh, your path is smooth. There is speed in your life. Towards the right direction. Where you have been crawling, start running. Where you have been walking, start flying. In the name of Jesus Christ. By the pronouncement of this blessing over you. Whatever represents a curse is over. In Jesus name. You rise in his name. You shine in his name. In the precious name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout a living amen. Words of blessing are not supposed to be many. They are just specific words. The only one that I want to give. I know many people don't agree with what I just taking place this morning. Never submit yourself to any bondage again. Created by man or by yourself. Number one, don't say negative things about yourself. And don't accept any negative thing anybody says about you. Never. Never. You are trying to go for a child. Somebody tells you that it's because something. Just say that maybe you are right or wrong. I don't know. But you know what? I'm out of whatever. Not me anymore. Not me anymore. Not me anymore. One day I will show you also from the Bible how you need to bless yourself every now and then. That's what part of what I was saying. Well, it has to be reinforced from time to time. Yes. I will show you the, I will say second service, the meaning of what I've just done now from God's word. What a priest should do with the people and the result of it. And I'm going to show you that that's why Balaam could not cause them because of what I've just done right now. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We worship you. We worship you. We follow, follow you to the end of time. I'm picturing a woman watching us. It's about the fruit of the womb again. He said, I should tell you again. He has done it. Your child will come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. The Lord is healing a man of a low span count right now. Jesus, we give you praise. Jesus, we lift up your name. Jesus, we lift up your name. We lift up your name. Jesus, we lift up your name. Hallelujah. I also see a marriage going through. Now, for these people, every member of the family, everyone seems to be in one trouble or the other right now. And now you are actually telling yourself that, well, it's just your turn. It has always happened to everybody. No. By the fact that you are watching me right now and you are part of this service, it's over. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. And in his name, I pronounce his blessing on you. You are exempted. Not only that, through you, others will find life in the family. And the situation will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. Is someone blessed this morning? Blessed be your name, Father. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. We worship you. Let's give our offering this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. 
glory to God. Don't miss next Sunday. Please. Don't miss it. Don't miss Wednesday. In July, you cannot afford not to be in church. Shall we all rise? I, I am I'm, I'm like hearing someone's voice now. The issue with you is that sincerely speaking, you've always had things below your level. When things finally come, they come in form of something below you. God has just corrected that now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like you, you give yourself to so much, you try your best, but when there is result at all, it's always less than what you think. And you are right. It's always less than what you think you should get. That order, that, that, that's over right now. That's over. From now, you begin to have something beyond your expectation. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. He's saying no yoke will stand. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. No yoke, no yoke, no yoke. None of them will stand. No yoke will stand. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It looks like a hole on, on the ground and a sword going into that hole and something like a serpent crawling on the sword and coming out of the hole. Honestly, I don't know the meaning of this. But I know the meaning of serpent. I know the meaning of sword. Sword represents the word of God. Something has gone into someone's life and the root of the matter is uprooted. Jesus, we give you praise. Jesus, we honor you. We thank you. Blessed be your name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hello, thank you for watching us. We don't want this to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You know, um, after listening to God's word like this and you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it's an opportunity to come to him and it's a simple process because he has made all things available. I want to employ you now to give your heart to Christ. And by saying these words, because giving your heart to Christ must be done consciously. He has paid the price. Say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. I believe that you shed your blood for my justification. I accept your finished work right now. And I confess that you are the Lord of my life. I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus. If you have said those words, you are actually born again, a new creation in Christ. Join us for more of this. God bless you.